Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the great season of Advent, and it's a time in which we prepare for the arrival of Jesus to enter into our heart and our soul, our will and our intellect in an even greater way than he has before. Now, an essential component of the preparation for Advent is penance. We've got to think of all those things that prevent us from fully welcoming Christ into our life in a greater way. I would argue Advent is like Lent in many ways. There's a penitential characteristic about it. Look at the song that we sing during Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Well, that's the hallmark of Advent, that song. We sing that so often during Advent. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Well, Israel is held captive. They're held hostage in two different ways. First, literally, by the Babylonians. They've been conquered by the Babylonians and now are slaves to the Babylonian people. But also spiritually, the Israelites are enslaved by their sins. They're held hostage by it. Therefore, they ask God to come. Emmanuel is Christ himself. They beg God to come and to pay a ransom so that they can be freed from their hostage situation. Well, we sing that same song. We recognize that we too are held hostage by our own sin. That's what sin does. It holds us hostage or captive. Well, a ransom needs to be paid. When you think of it, anyone who is held hostage, a ransom or a demand is always made. Something must be paid in order to free those people held hostage. Well, what's the price for us? What's well, Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. That's the price that has to be paid in order for us to be freed from our hostage situation regarding sin. And Jesus does just that. And so during the season of Advent, we recognize that and we prepare ourselves to receive God in a greater way into our life and also being prepared to celebrate his birthday at Christmas. Now think of it, if we wait to receive our Savior, then it tells us that we are in need of being saved. Saved from what? Sin itself. You see, we can't afford that attitude of, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. That attitude was so prevalent in our church during the 70s and the 80s. It's the reason why our church declined in its spiritual life, why so many people left it. Well, we can't have that attitude. If we do, then we're in no need of a savior. We can say to ourselves, you know, I've got a few problems, but I can deal with them. Well, that's the denial of the effects of sin in our life. But we can't do that. 
Instead, we have to recognize we truly are in need of a Savior. Now, is that a bad thing? No, it's a very good thing. That's why Advent is a joyful season in which we welcome God into our life in a greater and greater way. Now, it's interesting. Last week, I read an article about the 12-step process for addictions to help them on the recovery and how that process is synonymous with the spiritual life in Christianity. Now, with the 12-step process, the first step on the road to recovery for addicts is first they must bottom out. Now, addictions come in many different forms. Gambling, to bottom out, means they go into bankruptcy. They literally have no money left. How about an eating disorder? Bulimia, anorexia, they bottom out by going to the hospital and their organs are failing. How about drug or alcohol addictions? Well, they bottom out by near-death experiences. And so bottoming out is a cold, sobering shock that's rendered to the person that they are completely powerless to this addiction. Now, once they hit bottom, they realize the hard reality that they truly are powerless against this addiction. They're unable to fix it themselves. They need help. More importantly, they need help of a higher power, in our case, God. So the first step in recovery is turning themselves over to God. Now take that and apply it to the spiritual life. Now more than ever during this season of Advent, during this season, we become aware of our sinfulness, that we truly, like that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and Ransom Captive Israel, we are held captive by our sin. We are powerless against sin. We can't overcome it on our own. Therefore, we could say spiritually bottom out. Now we are convinced that we need help. We need our Savior. And see, that's good. That's very good. Because during this season of Advent, we recognize how grateful and how joyful we are to welcome the Savior that has saved us, that has paid the ransom, and now we are free from something that was once holding us hostage. Now, with that in mind, turn to the first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. This basically gives us a wonderful picture of the human condition. In fact, this reading, I think, appropriately sets the tone for the next four weeks of Advent. Now, in order for us to fathom and appreciate this reading, we have to understand the context in which it is all set in. Isaiah right now is writing in the midst of slavery. He, as well as the rest of the Israelites, have been conquered and are living as slaves to the Babylonians in present-day Iraq. The Babylonian army has crushed the Israelite army and has devastated the entire country of Israel. More to it, Jerusalem, the capital city, the place where the temple was, where God dwelled, is laid to waste. All the things that once contributed to the Israelites' identity as a nation and a people, Jerusalem, the capital city, and the temple, is now lying in ruins. The people are carried away as slaves. So it raises the question, how could God allow this to happen? The Israelites are God's chosen people. The Israelite nation is God's holy nation. And now the country is in ruins. The people are in slavery. Now, with that in mind, go into the first reading. It begins to make some sense. Isaiah says, You, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. 
you are named forever. Why do you let us wander, O Lord, from your ways and harden our hearts so that we fear you not? We hear Isaiah here praying, and he's praying with a great deal of remorse. Isaiah is telling God that the Israelites realize now that the reason why they're in their situation is because of their own fault. Now notice what Isaiah says. We have wandered far from you. Well, something that's vital in the spiritual life is always walking the path that leads to God. Then we are always in good spiritual health, always in the presence of God. But when do we really struggle in the spiritual life? When we get off the beaten path, when we get lost, that's never good in the spiritual life. Now, take that analogy and apply it to the practical life. Many of us at some point in time in our life have gotten lost. As a little child, we've gotten lost in the neighborhood, or maybe as an adult, we got lost, we've taken the wrong turn in a new city or even a country, and it's not good. We feel, depending upon where we are, this deep sickness with inside of us, in our gut. We become very frightened. Panic sets in. Our heart starts racing. Our mouth goes dry. Now apply that in the spiritual life. This is what sin does to us. It frightens us. It leads us in the wrong direction, away from God. And yet here's the good news. If we are walking that path, this season of Advent helps us to get us back on the right path because we allow Jesus to enter into our life. How does Jesus describe himself in the gospel? In many different ways. One way he describes himself as the good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice. They recognize it and they follow me. Other ways, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me. Well, Jesus always gets us on the right path. That's what we have to do. Allow Jesus to do that during the season of Advent. Again, apply that analogy. We're lost. What's the first thing we want to do? Well, we go to a gas station or a McDonald's. We ask one of the local people directions, maybe how to get on the interstate. So they'll tell us, well, you go down this street, you take a right, and then you go down this street, and then you'll be at the interstate. You say to yourself, well, yeah, I know that street. I just passed it. Okay, I know where I'm going. I know how to get to the interstate. Well, you get back in your car and you feel a sense of relief, a feel a sense of joy. You know now the right direction, the right way to go to get to that interstate. Well, the same thing holds true with the season of Advent. Allow Christ to come into your life, give you the proper direction to get on the right path again that leads to him. So you feel a sense of peace and joy in your life. Notice Isaiah also says, we have hardened our hearts. Well, think about the heart for a second, just the organ itself. It's critical in sustaining life for our bodies. And see, that's where the Jesus wants to place himself, at the very center of our life. The Israelites, their hearts are hardened, which means what? You know, because of sin, it's impossible for them to open their hearts up to receive God. That's why they were conquered. They became weak. Well, what we have to realize is we have a God that isn't just satisfied with coming into this world, accomplishing his mission, and then leaving. No, that's not good enough. Our God is a God that wants to take up residence at the very center of our life, in our hearts. 
He doesn't want to be on the periphery. He doesn't want to compete with all the other things that compete with our or vie for our time and attention, whether it's sports or entertainment, whether it's work or neighbors or family life. Our God is a God that wants to be at the very center of our life, the source and center of our life. Now, notice what Isaiah continues on to say. Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down with the mountains quaking before you. Well, now this is a statement of frustration and even anger. What is he really saying here? Lord, why don't you come and help us? Why do you wait? Why do you make us suffer so long? I think most of us, you know, can identify with that. Most of us at some point in time in our life have encountered a deep challenge, a serious challenge in many different ways. There was a time in which maybe we spoke those same words, thought those same thoughts, felt those same feelings. We may have experienced that anguish when we said to God, how long, O Lord, will this endure? You know, it touches us in so many ways. Maybe poor physical health, declining health, maybe an unexpected diagnosis, maybe depression, fear, anxiety, maybe an abusive relationship. It comes in many different forms. It's part of the human condition. We cry out to God and say, how long will this last? Well, here's a great answer to that. The very end of the reading, Isaiah says, For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us to our guilt. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the work of your hands, and from those hands you will free us. Again, Isaiah is telling God that we truly are his children. We are his Father. Essentially, Isaiah is saying to God, I don't know when, God, you will save us, and I don't know how you will save us. But what I do know through faith is that someday, somehow, you will save us. See, that's an act of faith, of trust, of belief. And that's what gives Isaiah hope. Hope that somehow, someway, God will rescue them. And he did, as well as us. Advent is a great season for us all now to embark upon, to embrace heart, mind, soul, our will, and our intellect. Remove all the things that prevent us from drawing closer to Christ. Allow Christ to take up residence at the very center of our life. And if we are experiencing challenges in our life, then be like Isaiah. Say to God, O Lord, I do not know how or when you will rescue me, but what I do know is that you will. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.